Morning, gang. If I haven't met you before, my name's Anthony. I'm one of the pastors here at York Street. It's my joy to be able to share the message with you today. Like Millie said, six days until Christmas. No turning back now. But good news for us blokes is that we don't need to worry for about another five days or so before we hit the shops. So it's all good. No stress. Hey, you might remember from a few weeks ago, we're in the middle of our Birth of Hope series for Advent this year. Last week, we had a week off. We had the Christmas event up on the hill. Hands up, who was at the event last week? Yeah. Thankfully, the weather was good last week. I'm glad we're not up there today. Uh, But it was a great celebration, yeah? We were able to connect again as a community. And what what better reason to celebrate than than the birth of Jesus at Christmas time, yeah? It was a great Sunday last week. And so we're picking picking up where we left off. Um, We've been looking at different characters in the nativity narrative that um, have pointed us towards Jesus this Christmas time, that, that highlight and demonstrate the way in which we find hope in Jesus. You'll remember Pastor Tim shared a few weeks ago at how the prophets of the Old Testament foretold the way and, and predicted the coming Messiah. And then the week after, we had a look at John the Baptist in, in, in his preparation for not only the birth of Jesus, but the ministry of Jesus um, as an adult. And this week, we're looking at the role of the shepherds and what they did in in declaring the hope that we hold in Jesus, this this king, this Messiah, this tiny little baby. But see, this tiny little baby is at at the centre of the the most unlikely scenario, the, the most unlikely situation. But this tiny baby is the most essential part of God's redemptive plan for humanity. Jesus Christ, the Saviour, the hope of the world. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that we can trust in all that it promises us. We pray that that your Holy Spirit might speak to us today to reveal to us a new revelation of the Christmas message this season. Remind us of your perfect plan through Jesus' birth, through his death and resurrection. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this space right now. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hey, I wonder if you've ever been in a situation where you just thought things couldn't get any worse. It's just one thing on top of another. Consider this story. An angel of the Lord appears to you and tells you to be pregnant with a son. Maybe half of the congregation can relate, maybe the other can't. So you're pregnant and you don't have a husband and you're told that Joseph, your fiancé, he'll be your husband once he gets his head around all of this stuff. And you're told you will call your son Jesus. He'll be great and he'll be called the, the, the son of the Most High. He'll reign over Jacob's descendants forever and his kingdom will never end. Okay. What? <laughs> so you have to work all of that out in your head. And so the, the pregnancy progresses and, and everyone's treating you a bit different. Everyone's talking about you. They don't, they don't get what's going on. You're not sure if you even know what's going on. And so you've been to all your first century birthing classes and you've read all the books, you've set up the nursery and the baby's due to arrive soon. Then there's a government announcement. And if you're anything like me, you are just done with government announcements, yeah? <laughs> We're over it. So the government announces, the, the Roman Empire announces that um, you need to go to your husband's hometown, which is miles away. Excellent, just what I need when I'm nine months pregnant. And travel's not easily. Hopefully there's no border closures. And it's all by foot. 
So off you go, 120 kilometres from where you live in Nazareth down towards the south, towards Bethlehem. And so 120 kilometres, that's like from the Arch of Victory here in town, Ballarat, all the way to Federation Square in Melbourne. And it's not freeway. The terrain's pretty hectic. It's mountains and it's desert. It's cold. It's dangerous. And so who knows who you'll come across? And, and you're not Pete Bartlett who can just smash out 200 kilometres in one weekend. It takes you about a week. Maybe, just maybe, you can track down a donkey and it might help you on your way. Just then, when you think it couldn't get any worse, just one more thing. You roll into town and it's dark and it's late and you're tired and cranky after travelling. We all know what it's like. And you go into labour. There's nowhere to go. All the Airbnbs are taken. Everyone's in town for the census. There's nowhere to stay, let alone have a baby. Someone offers you their shed. It's about this time you think, perhaps I should have taken out that private health insurance after all. <laughs> and so then the baby's born. But then we realise that, and we've got the benefit of history, that this is only the start of the story, right? Meanwhile, on the outskirts of Bethlehem, in the countryside, there's a group of shepherds just watching their sheep. And that's where, we're that's where we're going to pick up our key scripture from today. So it's, if you've got your Bibles, or it'll be on the screen, it's the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, starting in verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, nearby to Bethlehem, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Hold up. I've got so many questions. Those of us that have been around church for a while, we've probably heard this Christmas story plenty of times. But I'm a details guy. I want to, I want to know exactly what happened and how this all fits together. See, maybe we start to take this story for, for granted a bit. We make certain assumptions. See, the angels appeared to these, these lowly shepherds to, to let them know the saviour of the world is born. Like, that's big news, yeah? And they happen to be just not far away from where it was. And we just accept that this is some sort of normal event. Like, yeah, cool, that, that happened in history. Merry Christmas. And we move on. But I've got two questions. Question one, why the shepherds? Now, when you have some exciting news, who do you go to? Maybe it's your parents or your spouse, your children. Maybe it's your closest friends. I know when my wife and I found out we were having a baby, the first people we told were our parents and grandparents. And in their excitement, they certainly did their declaring of their own to the public around them. You've got to be careful there in the room. But these shepherds, they were the first to know about the birth of Jesus. It's pretty unlikely. It's, it's not what we'd expect. But history suggests that 
that God's a bit like that. He has unlikely ways of revealing himself to us and his purposes for us. It's often not how we expect. We don't know a lot about these shepherds. We aren't, we aren't told their names. and We don't really know how many there were. They were just going about their business, yet they were the first to know about the birth of the saviour of the world. These shepherds lived and worked on the outskirts of town, keeping their sheep. They would take shifts overnight to, to protect the sheep from predators or thieves. They were hardworking. They were humble. They didn't get much respect in society. And they kind of kept to themselves. Not many people set out to be shepherds in that time. But again, what was it about these particular shepherds? Surely there were shepherds here, there and everywhere. But what about these particular shepherds? What made them so special that they were able to hear this news first? Which kind of leads to the next question. Why Bethlehem? So, so we heard a few weeks ago about the prophets of the Old Testament that foretold the arrival of a new king, the saviour of the world. They foretold the hope for humanity through the coming Messiah. But what we may not realise these prophecies and the birth of Jesus is separated by about 400 years. It's only one page in my Bible, but there's 400 years between these two events. So during this time, God didn't raise up any new prophets. He wasn't speaking new things to the people of Israel. 400 years, that's like 20 generations of people. God remained silent. But who knows that just when we think God is silent, it doesn't mean he's absent. It doesn't mean he isn't working things together for his plan. Yeah? Sometimes it takes a few minutes. Sometimes it takes 400 years. So we know that Mary and Joseph had to travel from Nazareth, where they lived, to Bethlehem near Jerusalem in the south for the, for the, for the census. So it was about 120 kilometres. Or at least we think it's because of the census. Yeah? But we see that it isn't just the circ this circumstance that brought Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem. The census was God's method to bring them there, but it wasn't necessarily his purpose. See, it was all a part of the grand plan for his people. See, we don't always see the bigger plan while we're still on the journey. The prophet Micah puts it like this in chapter 5, verse 2 and 3. But you... Bethlehem Ephrata, that's the agricultural area around Bethlehem. It's not the town, it's the outskirts. But you, Bethlehem Ephrata, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Therefore Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labour bears a son and the rest of his brothers returned to join the Israelites. This is 400 years before it actually came to pass. And it's so specific. It's not just the region of Bethlehem or Israel somewhere. It's essentially pinpointed the plot of land. And what was it about that, that piece of land? What was it about those shepherds that, that dwelt there and worked there? Every year, Jews from all over the world would come to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. They needed to have a lamb without blemish approved by the rabbi for their Passover feast. Rather than cart a lamb from wherever they lived, they would buy one locally to use as the Passover sacrifice. 
And where were these specific sheep raised? About 10 kilometres from Jerusalem, a little place called Bethlehem, and not in the town, in the outskirts, in the agricultural area, Bethlehem Ephrata. And whose job was it to make sure those lambs were ready for the Passover festival? Our mates, the shepherds. The night before the Passover, the rabbi would inspect the lambs and pick one out. If it was without blemish, he would wrap it in cloths and place it in a manger ready for the next day for the Passover. You're starting to see some parallels between these stories. The shepherds were not just looking after regular sheep for food or trade. These these shepherds were looking after and caring for and protecting the sacrificial lambs. So we see this is why the particular shepherds were the first to know. This is why at that particular place, at that particular time, God's plan was revealed to these people. But we also know that Jesus' birth wasn't the end of the story. Jesus himself is known as the Lamb of God. And he would become the ultimate Passover sacrifice once and for all at the cross at Calvary. Once we start to piece all this together, we soon realise that none of this was coincidence, that God's perfect plan was coming together. It wasn't easy, it wasn't expected, and it wasn't even really clear what was going on at the time. But in the midst of the circumstances, there was a perfect plan unfolding the birth of a newborn baby that would become the hope of the Jewish nation of Israel and the hope of the entire world. We don't always see the bigger plan while we're still on the journey. We know the rest of the story, that as a man, this same baby hung on a criminal's cross to save all of humanity from its sins, for humanity collectively and each one of us individually. He endured the cross so that God's redemptive plan would come to pass. And the plan's not done yet. It's still in process. There's still more to be done. So what about us 2,000 years later? When we try to rationalise all this, we, we kind of sit back and think, oh, that was for then. The world's a different place now. That was Israel and we're in Australia. Our circumstances are so much harder, so much more difficult to deal with. Well, yes and no. Our circumstances are different, and we're we're dealing with very different specific things. But God's plan's the same, same as it's always been. It's been the same since Genesis. God created humanity in his image to look after his creation, and it was broken in the garden. And the relationship between God and his people was damaged. And ever since, every single day, every single circumstance, every single person, God has been outworking a plan to see that relationship restored. It's the whole purpose of Scripture. It's the whole purpose of Christmas, and it's the whole purpose of the cross. It's not about the worldly circumstances we deal with. They come and go and change. And they, they, they keep coming. This thing we do as life, it, it can be hard but the purpose is still the same. It's about God's purpose. God's purpose to bring hope to the world through the birth, death and resurrection of his son Jesus, to restore that broken relationship. 
So what do we learn from this account of the birth of Jesus and, and what do we learn from the shepherds? We learn that they were scared. Mary and Joseph were likely scared. They didn't know what was going on. The angel of the Lord appeared to them both separately and told them just how it was going to be. That's pretty scary, pretty confronting. Then the circumstances played out. Scary, scary as heck. They had to travel 120 kilometres through all sorts of, uh, all sorts of land, all, th- all sorts of situations, and then, and then give birth in a barn. Scary. The shepherds were scared too. In the scripture we looked at in Luke, it says, the angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And it says, they were terrified. Not just a bit scared, terrified. It isn't kind of an everyday kind of occurrence. It's a once in a lifetime event that literally divided time in two. What else? They believed. Mary and Joseph, though it might have been pretty full on to get your head around at the time, they believed. They truly believed and understood the gravity of all that was happening. God was using them as his vessels to bring hope to the world. The shepherds believed too. It took 20 generations and and 400 years of of the, the prophecy to come to fruition. But their heritage, their Jewish belief structure, meant that they recognized what was happening when it started happening. Is this the fulfillment of God's promise? Is this the Messiah we've been waiting for? This baby in a manger? Could this be him? They believed the angel of the Lord and went to see Jesus with haste. In verse 16 it says, So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who were lying in a manger. So sure, they were scared and they believed. But they also responded. Mary and Joseph were obedient and followed God's leading. Sure, they were scared, but they believed and responded. They played their part in the plan. The shepherds didn't ignore the message from the angel of the Lord. They got up and left their sheep, which is a massive deal now that we know a bit more about these particular shepherds. They left their sheep and went with haste to the manger to see the baby. Verse 17 says, When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at the shepherds and said to them, at what the shepherds had said to them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which they, uh, just as they had been told. Not only did they get up and go, but they made sure everyone knew about it on the way back. So what's holding us back from playing our part in God's plan for our, for our lives? He, has a very speci- he had a very specific role for Mary and Joseph and a very specific role for the shepherds. There's a very specific plan for you too. He doesn't care what condition you're in. He doesn't, mean, he doesn't care what you've been through. Might be a bit rough around the edges. I am too. It's all good. You mightn't have age on your side or your body might be letting you down. But do you think the God of creation, the God who orchestrated this whole thing with Mary and Joseph and the shepherds, do you think he couldn't use you too? Of course he can. He's God. He knows who you are. He knows what you bring. And he wants you anyway. Remember, we're still on the journey. Doesn't all make sense. 
We can't always see the part we're playing in God's plan. Throughout our worldly circumstances, we see that God calls each and every one of us into his purpose. So what's holding us back? Are we scared? Are we afraid of what it might look like to step into God's plans for our life? Are you worried about the cost? Maybe the financial cost, but are you more worried about what it might mean to give up something to follow God's purposes? The prospect might feel overwhelming, or the circumstances in your life right now might feel too big. God used Mary and Joseph, and they were scared, confused, unclear of what was going on. And it probably wasn't really an ideal time for them, but they did it anyway. The shepherds too, they were terrified, but God said to them through the angel, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Do you believe? Do you believe in the depths of your heart that the same God that created the earth has a plan for you and your life? Just like he did the shepherds. A customised, personalised role just for you to play? No one else will do. It's reserved just for you. I'm not sure where you're at on your faith journey. Perhaps you're new to faith or perhaps you're here today or watching at home. You haven't met Jesus yet. Perhaps you've got questions. Me too. We all do. Ask them. There's plenty of people here, pastors and leaders, person in the pew next to you. Send us a message or, or give us a call. Ask the questions. There's heaps of people around that would love to help you find some answers. Or maybe you've been a Christian for a while and you still have questions. Or you're sitting on the edge of a, a big faith decision. Ask the questions. We're a community of believers here who want to build each other up, look after each other, and point each other to Jesus in all that we do. And finally, what's our response? Will you accept the challenge, the invitation? Is there something that you feel you're being called to today? What exciting, scary, treacherous adventure is God calling you to? Perhaps he's calling you to make a massive leap of faith. Or maybe he's asking you to do something small, have a conversation, have a couple with someone. Both are just as valuable. You're contributing to the plan. It's so much bigger than ourselves. It's God's plan. Once we look past the circumstances we face, those unexpected pregnancies, the unexpected travel, the midnight trip to a manger, or maybe the unexpected pandemic, or the unexpected diagnosis. When we look past all of that, we see there's a far greater plan revealed. God's perfect plan for humanity. How can we declare the hope of Jesus this Christmas season? Perhaps it's declaring it with our words telling people about the hope we have in Jesus. Maybe it's declaring it with our obedience, stepping into the call he has placed on our lives. Or maybe it's declaring with our actions of love and care and support to those around us this Christmas time. What is our part to play in declaring the name of Jesus to the world this Christmas? Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for this time together. 
We pray that your word would settle in our hearts, that you would reveal to us the true message of Christmas this year, that we wouldn't get held up in the circumstances of this world, that we would see past all of that and we would see your incredible, perfect plan and purpose for humanity, the same plan you have been outworking for thousands of years and the same plan that you haven't finished yet. Lord Jesus, help us to see our role in your plan and empower us to be bold and step into the plan that you have for each one of us. In your precious name, amen.